This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You want the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. I am Faraz Siddiqui. No Zach Rizzuto on this episode, but I am talking AFC West today. Who I'm targeting, who I'm avoiding. We already went through the NFC West. We went through the NFC East. We went through the AFC East on our last three episodes. So make sure to check those out as well. And while you're at it, if you could subscribe and rate and review the podcast, that would help us out so much. That would only take you probably less than a minute to do that. But let's go ahead and get started with some news and notes since our last episode a few days ago. Uh, There's a decent amount of hype uh, out of Brown's OTAs that Elijah Moore is going to be very involved. Uh, Zach Zach Jackson from The Athletic wrote uh, in in an article that it's clear that the Browns want to get Elijah Moore the ball on short passes, let him create. And it looks like he's going to be their slot wide receiver, their starting slot wide receiver in an offense that might be a little bit more pass heavy than we think. Um, there's a chance that he is the number two target behind Amari Cooper. And if Deshaun Watson takes a step forward into what you know he was or anything close to it, we're looking at a potential steal in drafts. He's going as the wide receiver 48 right now, uh, going at the 8-9 turn on underdog. You'll probably be able to get him uh, in the 10th round most likely in the 12-team home leagues. So, you know, something to keep in mind there. Uh, Vikings rookie wide receiver Jordan Addison is a little bit banged up right now. He has a minor injury. Doesn't seem like something we should be too concerned with at the moment. They're they're not revealing what sort of injury it is, but doesn't seem major. There's also uh, a little bit of a hype train starting to steam up around Chiefs wide receiver Justin Ross, who, for those who don't know, was undrafted out of Clemson, you know, had a neck injury that forced him to miss the entire 2020 season in college, uh, you know, seemed to be a potentially career-threatening injury. Um, and then he had a foot injury that forced him to miss last season with the Chiefs. But I think he's worth a last-round pick at this point. Like, he is going in the 18th round of underdog drafts, probably undrafted in most home leagues, you know, as of right now. Uh, very solid late-round flyer, you know, with upside. You know, not, you know, zero, probably has a floor of zero, you know, but the upside is there. Um, there's that video that's circulating around, of Patrick Mahomes laying it out deep for him, you know, him coming through and catching that ball. Um, pretty encouraging. You know, even Andy Reid has said that he's earned the trust of Patrick Mahomes, so that's a nice ringing endorsement right there. All right, so that's a good segue into the AFC West, and might as well start with the Super Bowl champion Chiefs. So much ambiguity at certain positions, um, and, you know, we'll be covering those positions but first, Patrick Mahomes, you know, obviously one of the top quarterbacks in the league, a high-end every-week fantasy starter. Uh, we're obviously in on him. I think the highest I, I draft him is the fourth round, uh, but I won't be drafting him before Jalen Hurts. Obviously, he's going a lot higher on underdog drafts. That's just what happens. Um, I also have Lamar Jackson ahead of him in my rankings for 2023, uh, but Mahomes is going to get it done for you every single week. Obviously, there's not much need to talk about that too much more. Uh, Travis Kelsey... 
you know, he's the dude there. You know, if you're going to draft any skill position player, he's the guy, right? He's turning 34 in October. Okay. It's worth noting, but it's really tough to bet against the, you know, the clear tight end one here overall in fantasy. Um, you know, it's almost Travis Kelsey or like later round tight end for me. He's a first round pick once again. Uh, he's a priority grab he's, if he's available in the first round of best ball drafts. But also, you know, he gives you a real leg up in terms of, you know, having a clear positional advantage at the tight end position, which as we've spoken about in the past, you know, it's really, really huge at the tight end position specifically. And it's going to help you win weeks when you have such a positional advantage over your peers and whoever you're, you know, going, whoever you're going up against that, that week. Right. So I understand that he's getting older, but at the same time, he didn't really show that many, you know, signs of, he didn't really show signs of slowing down for the most part last year. So I think I'm still in on Travis Kelsey in the first round. Um, there are some running backs and some wide receivers that I have, you know, above him. And you can check out my rankings at patreon.com slash fantasy, where I go over all of my positional rankings, but also flex rankings. So that, that'll show you kind of where Kelsey is being ranked. I can't remember off the top of my head where exactly he's being ranked, you know, if I'm including all the positions, but you can go take a look there. We talked about Justin Ross as a sneaky late round pick. Um, you know, Nate Taylor, who covers the Chiefs for the Athletic, is projecting Kadarius Tony, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, and Sky Moore to be the top three on the depth chart for now. We don't know if DeAndre Hopkins is going to join this team, right? He would obviously be the clear tar- target hog in this offense if he were to join it. But let's assume he doesn't join the Chiefs, right? I think we know what MVS is. He's a guy who will have some sp- splash plays, you know, not but not someone who's dependable, right? He's an okay pick in best ball, but not someone you really want to draft, you know, in a regular season-long league. Um, and after that projected starting three, you have Rashi Rice, you have Richie James, you have Justin Ross. Um, and Kadarius Tony is being hyped up as the Chiefs' number one wide receiver. You know, that makes sense, though, given what we have on the roster right now. Um, there, there's also been a quote from Jeremy Fowler saying that the Chiefs believe that he is number one wide receiver material. You know, we haven't seen that yet from him, you know, on a consistent basis. It, that has to give you a little bit of pause, you know, to make that type of statement. But it's worth noting that he never saw more than 44% of snaps last year. He was banged up, of course, what's new. But let's say he gets a larger role, right? Let's say he stays relatively healthy. He had the entire offseason to learn and integrate with the offense, build a rapport with Patrick Mahomes. He was top three among qualifying wide receivers last year in fantasy points per snap. Uh, he was targeted on 23% of his routes. So if he's going to get a full-time role, you know, we need to pay attention, right? The upside is clear to me. He's the definition of boom bust, right? But I think a lot of people don't want to acknowledge the boom part of his game. Um, but I understand it because of all the injuries and his inability to stay on the field. You know, so where is he being drafted, Right. He is being drafted at the he's being drafted at the end of the sixth round on underdog as the wide receiver 36 around guys like Tyler Lockett, Jordan Addison, Dallas Goddard, Dalvin Cook, Deontay Johnson, DeAndre Swift. So looking at those names, it's pretty tough for me to grab him over a bunch of these guys, um, especially if you're looking for a safer option. Um, I do think he has a lot more upside than a couple of these guys. But with that being said, like I don't think I would be mad if I missed out on him this year. The other wide receiver who I mentioned that could be starting for them in three wide receiver sets is Sky Moore, second-year wide receiver. Um, he was in the slot 
at a higher percentage of his routes than any of the other wide receivers still left on this team. Juju and McCole Hardman ran a higher percentage of their routes out of the slot last year, but they're both gone. We could see more as the primary slot guy, you know, moving around a little bit, but you know, he also didn't have anywhere close to a full-time role last year either. Um, he was targeted in almost 20% of his routes, uh, seven missed tackles forced on only 27 catches. That was close enough to Kadarius Tony's rate. And we know how slippery he is. Um, he actually, Skymore actually had a decent reception perception profile as well, which indicates he could be a solid slot receiver for Patrick Mahomes. He's being drafted as a wide receiver 56. Um, there's clear ambiguity here, <laughs> clear ambiguity. There is legit ambiguity here. And I think this is like the sweet spot that I'm willing to settle for in terms of picking someone from this wide receiver group. Now, you know, if Tony's a little high for me, you know, more in the 11th round or an underdog, like a little later, even in home leagues, I, I think that's solid. And I liked him a lot as a prospect coming into the NFL. I think there's a decent chance here that he takes a step forward in year two. I think Richie James at wide receiver 91 is a solid punt play too in the 18th round. If I don't grab any of these guys earlier, right? He's going undrafted in home leagues. Um, you know, can he be the guy? in the slot for Mahomes over Sky Moore, I think it's possible. Like, I'm just, you know, I'm just hoping that this isn't like a timeshare in the slot, like like it was last year at wide receiver. Like, outside of guys like Juju and MVS, these other guys were just kind of coming, you know, on and off the field. I think we need some stability in this wide receiver core. Um, but, you know, I think betting on, James, uh, on Richie James as a veteran who showed some production last year, you know, I think I bet on him before Rashi Rice to make an impact this season. You know, we spoke about Rice over the course of this entire draft season. I'm not the biggest Rashi Rice guy, and I think this was a big reach by the Chiefs. Not the first time they reach on a wide receiver in the NFL draft, but, you know, I'm personally not targeting Rashi, especially because he's going right around Sky Moore. So if I'm picking between those two guys, it's Sky Moore. And like I said earlier, you know, don't keep your, you know, keep your eyes on Justin Ross. Um, you know, we're going to put up a post on Instagram at this point. <laughs> you know, ranking the Chiefs wide receivers in the order I take them with ADP considered. So, so look out for that post, Instagram.com slash Upperhand Fantasy. But as of right now, it seems like it's Sky Moore, then Justin Ross, then Kadarius Tony, then Richie James in the order that I would draft them, you know, obviously with ADP considered, right? That's not the order that they're going in, but that's the order that I would take them or I prefer them, you know, given their price. All right, let's move to the Chiefs' backfield. We have Isaiah Pacheco, Jarek McKinnon, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, all fighting for touches. I think at this point, it's mainly a Pacheco-McKinnon backfield. Pacheco getting the early down work with McKinnon being the primary pass catcher out of the backfield. Pacheco is being drafted as the RB23, and that is way too high for me personally. And I know there are a lot of Pacheco stands out there. He's being taken at the 6-7 turn in underdog. He's going to be taken in the fifth round of home leagues just because running backs usually get drafted a little bit higher in home leagues. And he's going around guys like DeAndre Swift, K-Makers, Traylon Burks, Jahan Dodson, Rashad White. I can't do it. Okay, he saw more than 15 carries once last year. He had more than two targets once last year. He did randomly get six targets in the AFC Championship, but Jack McKinnon tweaked his ankle in that game, re-aggravated later in that game. He saw 50% of snaps only three times last year including the playoffs, if he's not catching passes and he's not going to have a chance to give me like 17 or 18 rushing attempts per game, he's not the type of every week RB2 that I want. And he doesn't even have a ton of upside. 
to be honest. Like, he will have his games because he's on a good offense, but he is the definition of a replaceable RB2, if that. I'd rather shoot for someone around his price that has more upside and still offers the same or more stability in terms of workload. Now, I'd rather take a shot on Jarek McKinnon, who had three RB1 weeks in his last five games last year. Uh, Pacheco didn't even sniff a top 12 week last year. McKinnon was even the overall RB1 two weeks in a row. And if you ask why, because since their bye week, McKinnon had six six-plus target games. He had five games with five or more catches. He finished the season scoring at least one touchdown in every single game over his last six games, eight touchdowns in that span. And he's going off the board as the RB43 in the 11th round on underdog. Um, that's the Chiefs running back that I'll be going after, personally. And if you're wondering, like, if is Pacheco a good running back? I, I think he is a solid running back, but I don't think he's anything special, okay? Uh, with a minimum of 150 carries last year, he ranked 12th among 33 running backs in yards after contact per attempt, which is great. And I think that's we knew that's one of his strong suits, right, after contact, right? Um, but in terms of misforced tackles, he was one of the worst in the league uh, in terms of you know, on a per carry basis. He was like right around Brian Robinson's rate. Actually, Brian Robinson had a better rate than him. So that tells you what you need to know. All right, that was quite the extensive breakdown of the Chiefs. So much ambiguity there. Let's move on. Now, if you enjoyed that, please make sure to subscribe and follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you're listening, and rate and review the podcast as well. It just helps us grow and reach more audience, more people, audiences, whatever. You get it. We greatly appreciate that. Um, let's move on to the Broncos. Sean Payton is the biggest ad of the offseason for Denver. A lot can change, you know, including a resurgence from Russell Wilson. It's very possible that the one year last year actually is not an indication, you know, of the quarterback that Russell Wilson is. And, you know, it was just an outlier year for him potentially. Uh, now that he's paired with Sean Payton and not Nathaniel Hackett, by the way, we even saw Russ have two top five finishes in two games with Hackett without Hackett at the end of last season. He has weapons, right? And we'll talk about them. Potentially Jerry Judy taking a step forward. Uh, they improved the offensive line a ton. I think I'm in on Russ this year at his price. He's being drafted as a QB 18 at the 11-12 turn on underdog. So I think he can bounce back in this situation um, and you can get him at a great price. We talked about Javante Williams extensively over the past few months. I think I'm out on him right now. Uh, even as the RB29 off the board on underdog, like I understand it's relatively low risk at that price, but I think he's just uh, he's close to a full avoid for me because of the extent of his injuries and the fact that it's not just an ACL. You know, it's a multi-ligament injury that could take him a lot more time than you think to get anywhere close to 100%. You know, I know he's back in OTAs, but he's limited. That makes sense, you know, given his injury. If Javante was healthy and Sean Payton was their coach, like, I think he, he would be ranked as, like, a top eight or top nine running back for me this season. Sean Payton's backfields have been, been – Sean Payton's backfields have been producing RB1s like no other coach. And we're talking almost 20 years now. Okay, we're not just talking Alvin Kamara. But Samaj P. Ryan, on the other hand, being – being drafted as the RB35 at the 9-10 turn on underdog, probably will be going in the eighth round or so in home leagues. Uh, he's a big target for me at that price. I think they're going to rely on P. Ryan while Javante ramps up. Uh, I think he'll be the running back to have 
in the first several weeks of the season during that process. But also, even when Javante is ready to return, I think P. Ryan is going to be very involved. We know how much Sean Payton loves to use his running backs in the receiving game. That's already a big part of P. Ryan's skill set. And I think there's a good chance that P. Ryan is an every week RB2 with upside. All right, now moving on to the wide receivers. Jerry Judy and Colton Sutton are the primary wide receivers on this offense. There's always been some hype around Tim Patrick. You know, he's 29 years old at this point, coming off a, a pretty major injury. He'll be 30 in November. Not someone I'm targeting. But Judy is being taken as the wide receiver 21 in the fourth round you know, of underdog drafts. It seems like the market is betting on a breakout for him, and I get it. Two top three finishes and four top 24 finishes in the last five weeks last year, averaging 91 receiving yards during that span, 25% target share. His weighted opportunity was the highest on the team during that span. Overall wide receiver three in fantasy points per game during that span. <laughs> and now has Sean Payton to help scheme him up, right? You think of Marcus Colson, you think of Michael Thomas, those guys come to mind, but Judy is a very, very good separator, even at the high, even at the higher price. Like I think he's the guy to target when you compare him to Sutton. And I was on the Sutton train last year. I thought his skill set matched what Russ and Hackett wanted to do, uh, and he did lead the team in overall target share and air yard share last season as a whole. But I think I will concede now that Judy is the better wide receiver, uh, as he did come on late. He ended up being the guy to have, and I think. There's more from Judy that is left untapped, and I think Sean Payton can bring that out. Now, there was a little bit of, uh, of ambiguity in the tight end room for the Broncos, but it seems like Greg Dulcich is starting to impress Sean Payton. He called him uh, a joker player, which you know he kind of compared that joker title to guys like Alvin Kamara, Darren Sproles, and Reggie Bush. Uh, he also talked about some of his really good previous tight ends. And what he means by that is guys who create mismatches in the receiving game. And if he's comparing Greg Dulcich to those guys, like, how can you not be in, right? Like, he also said yesterday that he had exceptional ball skills, and it seems like he's going to be pretty involved in the pass game based on his comments. So, he listen, like, Dulcich had a very good rookie season, right, which says a lot given that he's a tight end. He's actually top 10 in fantasy points per game among rookie tight ends since 2010. Uh, and with him being drafted as a tight end 15 this year, I think he makes a solid later round tight end pick. All right, let's move to the Chargers. Justin Herbert finished second to Patrick Mahomes in passing guards last year, yet only threw 25 touchdowns, which was ninth in the NFL. Um, he threw less touchdowns than Geno Smith, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. And if I had to bet, he'll throw more touchdowns than all those guys especially Tom Brady. He has a new OC in Kellen Moore coming over. It's going to remain a pass-first offense. I think there will be you know, a bit more emphasis on throwing the ball down the field. He has a new weapon in Quentin Johnston. Um, so, you know, he has a good wide receiver core that can hopefully stay healthy. He still has Austin Eckler coming out the backfield. I think Eckler, I think Eckler you know, will continue to be a focal point in the passing game. And I think Herbert takes a bit of a step forward this year for fantasy. If we're talking about a down year, for Herbert last year, and he still was second in passing yards, I think those touchdowns come up, potentially. And he becomes, you know, he he definitely has the room to be a top five fantasy quarterback. And by the way, I do have all my rankings up on patreon.com slash fantasy. The link is also in the description. Uh, that's simple enough to remember. 2023 rankings, dynasty rankings, all positions, you know, flex rankings, super flex, all of it. So go check that out. Um, the 2023 draft kit is also coming out very soon. You can also find that there patreon.com slash upper hand fantasy 
Um, Austin Eckler is an interesting one for me this year. He's staying in L.A. They just tacked on some bonuses to his contract, so he's happy enough to not be looking to leave anymore. So that's great. But given how the Cowboys used Zeke and Pollard last year at the goal line, you know, given the fact that Austin Eckler only received goal line carries over the last two seasons with Joe Lombardi, what if that changes this year, you know, with Kellen Moore coming over? You know, is there a high chance that changes? I don't think so, given the fact that, you know, Eckler has been really good around the goal line. He's been a touchdown machine, 12 and 13 rushing touchdowns last two seasons with Lombardi. But check this out. If you compare that to the last four years before that, two touchdowns, three touchdowns, three touchdowns, and one touchdown. And we're talking on the ground here, okay? Now, does Moore want to have a bigger back at the goal line, right? Does Josh Kelly get a crack there? I'm just playing devil's advocate here, but we should understand any sorts of risks for any player, especially going that high, right? Here's another one. 4.7 catches per game for Eckler with Keenan Allen on the field compared to 7.4 catches with, with, without Keenan Allen on the field last season, right? So that's a huge split there. Are they going to be dumping it down that often if they're going to be throwing the ball down the field more? You know, am I still comfortable taking Echo that early? I think so, but, I, you know, I might lean towards a high-end wide receiver if I'm faced with that decision early in the first just because, like, there might be a, a, a wide receiver who has high enough upside but low risk. That might, that might be the case for me personally because I am presenting a case here and I do somewhat believe the risks that are involved, right? So keep that in mind with Austin Eckler this year. I am highly targeting Keenan Allen based on where he's going. You know, people talk about him as if he gets injured every year. He was out for half the season last year, but the last five seasons before that, 16 games, 16 games, 16 games, 14 games, 16 games. Like, what are we talking about? He's older, but he's still got it. In the eight games after he came back from his hamstring injury last year, he had the most receptions of any wide receiver. He, ha- he was number two in targets behind Justin Jefferson. He was fifth in receiving yards. He was sixth in receiving touchdowns. And all that led to him giving you 18.8 PPR fantasy points per game, which was the wide receiver three during that span. Wide receiver six in fantasy points per game for the year. Okay, so I think he still has one more high-level year in him at least. He's being drafted as a wide receiver 23 in the fourth round or underdog, which, you know, this is a platform where wide receivers are normally taken higher than, you know, home league drafts. So which means that he's going to be a serious value in home leagues. Okay. And by the way, if you're not using this time of the offseason to draft an underdog, I would start right now because there are so many values on the board. I just mentioned Keenan Allen, a bunch of other guys I liked, didn't like in today's podcast, but the format on underdog is called best ball. And it's awesome. Because you can enjoy one of the best things that, you know, we love to do, right? One of the best things about fantasy football is drafting. And that's all you have to do. Just draft. There's no in-season management, no waiver wires. You just draft 18 to 20 rounds. You have a starting lineup, but you never have to set it. Your lineup gets set automatically every single week based on who goes off. The guy who would have been on your bench would replace the stud who happened to have a down game in your lineup. So you can draft as many teams as you want. You can play for big money in big tournaments, or you can play in private drafts with your friends. Um, and a lot of you guys know I already have a bunch of private drafts going on with you guys, slow drafts, fast drafts, um, if you're keeping up with them in my IG stories. So I, I would check it out if I were you. Uh, Underdog is also giving away a 100% match on your first deposit. So they will double your first deposit up to $100 as long as you use the code upper hand when signing up. 
Um, you know, and then during the season, right, you can do those pickums that we love, right? Uh, which which you know you could do right now too, because if you play, if you watch it, the NBA, if you into the MLB, whatever, they have all sports. So keep that in mind when you're signing up for Underdog. So go check that out. Use code UPPERHAND. So yeah, go get go get Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Not really that interested in him. You know he's being drafted right ahead of Keenan Allen, which makes no sense to me honestly. Even when Keenan Allen was hurt last year, you know Mike was still pretty boom bust. Like I, I'm good on that. Quentin Johnston, wide receiver, forty three in the twelfth round. You know, I'm not like the biggest QG, QJ guy, but like he's he's a good wide receiver. Like this is actually a pretty good price for him. You know, I'm fine with this price right here attached to Herbert. If Mike Williams gets hurt again, you know, the targets like you talk about who's more injury prone between Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. It's Mike Williams. Okay, so if Mike Williams gets hurt again, the targets can flow through Keenan, Eckler, and QJ. I think, right? And I think good best ball pick someone who can potentially thrive in this offense if given opportunity. I like the price, you know, more than anything. So I think I'm in on QJ and his price. I think the tight end room for the Chargers is like a wait and see for me. You know, Gerald Everett led the group last year, but didn't make a huge fantasy impact. Definitely fantasy relevant, but, you know, not enough to make a huge impact. Donald Parham is there as well. We'll see what they end up doing at the position. But if Everett ends up carving out the lead role by a good margin, maybe get 75, 80% route participation, you know, now we're talking and we saw what an average talent like Dalton Schultz was able to do in Kellen Moore's system. Um, and, uh, you know, an, an athletic tight end like Everett is potentially capable of even more. Let's move on to the Raiders. Uh, Jimmy G had foot surgery right after he signed his free agent contract with Las Vegas, but it seems as though he'll be fine at some point before the season starts. Uh, he's not really a fantasy option for me, but he could be a solid QB too. Devonta Adams, you know, will he be hyper-targeted by Jimmy? You know, I would hope so. He deserves it. He's that type of dude. I, I don't think there's another receiver on this team that can challenge Devontae for targets. I think he's still in line for like 28 to 30% target share. I'm not overly drafting him in best ball just because, you know, QB changed to an average, you know, quarterback, and then the foot injury, you know, doesn't make me love the pick. But, you know, Devontae is still that dude, like I said, and you can't really count him out regardless of his situation. Um, I'm I'm pretty out on Jacoby Myers. I think he's a good wide receiver. I think they upgraded their wide receiver too behind Adams, but I don't know if there's enough volume behind Adams for Jimmy G to be able to produce two fantasy relevant wide receivers. He did it with the 49ers, no doubt, but that was with Kyle Shanahan, you know, who's a QB whisperer, you know, helping him out, right? Lifting him up a little bit. Uh, Myers is being drafted as a wide receiver 54, and I think he will outperform that, but I don't think there's much upside for Myers, so I won't be chasing that. Josh Jacobs being drafted as the RB9. I'll have him a little bit higher than that. You can check out my rankings at patreon.com slash upperhandfantasy. I do like him this year. You know, we know that Josh McDaniels is willing to roll with him as a bell cow, so that's great. You know, he was involved in the receiving game as well last year. That's great to see. He had nine top 10 finishes last year, which, you know, that's exactly what you want out of your RB1, right? Um, he's a bit of a value right now going at the 2-3 turn on underdog I'm all over him. Uh, Austin Hooper, you know, is the tight end one right now for the Raiders. Michael Mayer obviously just drafted him. He's their tight end too. You know, we'll see if Mayer can take that quick jump over Hooper, but I think Hooper is likely going to hold him off for now, um, at least from becoming, you know, fantasy relevant. I think Hooper's a solid veteran. Um, you know, he might not be fantasy relevant either. 
I, I'm holding off of Mayer for year one. I do think he'll have a promising career, career but in year one, I'm going to hold off uh, since you know he has a veteran to compete with here and the chances that a rookie tight end finishing you know, as a, a, a pretty decent tight end isn't that high. Okay. I think that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Uh, it, it's a lot shorter. Well, I don't have someone to argue with. Uh, but Zach will be back next week. And really, really appreciate you guys listening. Um, again, please subscribe or follow the podcast on your podcast app. Please rate and review the podcast. Again, like I, again, I always appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm Faraz Siddiqui. We'll be back next week with the NFC North and the AFC North breakouts. See ya.